Truth News Network. Prices out of control, threatening an end of fossil fuels, orphaning 400 million cars, millions of trucks, airplanes. Are we having fun yet? Every tick of the clock promising more misery as we bankrupt the middle class. Life as written by Harlan Ellison. Shake your head, take a deep breath, because you're with TNN, the Truth News Network. And with some light, here's Dan Newman. Who the heck is Harlan Ellison? (laughs) I think Pete Moss threw that name out there, hoping that uh, you and I would know who Harlan, old Harlan, really is. I really don't, but you get the message that's there. That's the message we're living with every day. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to TNN Live on Thursday. July is just barely a week left in it. And then we're in the dog days of summer, the month of August. Wow, is time flying or is it just because I'm getting older? Time flies. I don't know, but I cannot keep up with everything going on. It's really amazing. When we sit down to do preparation for each of these shows on a daily basis, you know, most most shows that try to do what we're doing or similar broadcast to what we do, um, they usually have a big staff and they spend all their time researching, finding those golden nuggets that are going to make their show sound really good on the air. But they always struggle to get those Nuggets of gold piled up, sufficient to last for an hour or two, in our case, two hours. You wouldn't believe the material that we cannot cover on this show every day. And for those of you that are with us, you know that we don't normally spend a lot of time on the topics that we're talking about. And the reason we don't is what our purpose for being here is all about. It's to make sure you know the big things that are going on, many of which impact you directly, most of which impact you indirectly. They impact us all, indirectly at least. And there are so many of those out there that we just can't cover them all. But what we do here at TNN Live, Truth News Network, if you just started listening in, what we do here every day is we bring you the biggest, most important stories the ones that we hear, our very small staff, those are the stories that we bring to you, the ones that we think will make the greatest impact on your lives. Today, we have a bunch of that. Now, I told you, I guess it was yesterday or Tuesday, I can't remember, but I told you we were going to have a special guest on the show Friday morning, and I told you yesterday I'd tell you who this special guest is. Now, you may not have heard his name, but you've heard about what he does. His name is Richard Hirschman, H-I-R-S-C-H-M-A-N. Richard is a board-certified funeral director and embalmer, and he's got more than 20 years of experience in doing just that. And just to give you a little recent background thing on Richard since 04 he's worked for hospitals all across the US after this immunization became widely distributed and of course we're talking about COVID vaccines his typically predictable job which is to embalm people that have died took a very bizarre turn 
One day in the middle of 2021, they were preparing a body for preservation, which is embalming. And as he began making preliminary cuts into the flesh, his tools were met with unusual resistance. An unknown blockage was stopping the necessary fluid draining. So, hoping to get this obstruction out of the way, he reached through the incision and pulled out something unbelievable. So after he got whatever that was, that internal barricade got it out, he could barely believe his eyes. He'll tell you more about it himself tomorrow morning. So in his hand was a long, sinewy-looking object. One end possessed a standard-looking blood clot, but the rest appeared dense and come back rubbery, kind of. When he rinsed off that perplexing specimen, it didn't dissolve as was expected when you get blood out of a, a corpse. Rather, the extracted material stayed firmly intact. Now, I'm giving you this little snippet of what Richard will be talking to us about tomorrow. And if we had connected, Richard and TNN Live had connected during that month of 2021, you know what we would have do. We would have said, uh, I don't know about this. But then I ran across an international story that I had heard from no one else about an embalmer in the UK and what was going on in his practice. His name is Looney, Dr. Looney, L-U-N-Y. And Dr. Looney, before Richard Hirschman, and by the way, a bunch of other embalmers across the United States, a bunch of embalmers here and in Europe now, are experiencing this same phenomenon. So what is it? Well, guess what? You're going to have to wait till tomorrow. Richard Hirschman will be with us tomorrow morning in our first hour here at TNN Live. So what are the important things today that you need to know about? Well, I guess everybody heard. I mean, it's just common knowledge now. President Biden has cancer. Wait a minute, you hadn't heard about that? Well, if you hadn't heard about it, you hadn't listened to him. Because yesterday in uh, Massachusetts, he went up there to make a big play on environmentalism and what he was doing. He stood on the site when he made a speech right next to a river on the site of a torn down coal plant that's going to be replaced with some green renewable energy stuff. I can't even remember exactly what they're putting there. But in this thing, he made an amazing announcement. Here, I'll let you listen to him. White House has retracted a statement made by the U.S. President Joe Biden during a speech that he's made in Massachusetts overnight. The president was discussing the effects of oil refinery emissions when he indicated that he had cancer. And guess what? The first frost, you know what was happening. It had to put on their windshield wipers to get literally the oil slick off the window. That's why I and so damn many other people I grew up have cancer. The White House clarified the president had non-melanoma skin cancer before taking office last year. Not sure how that relates to oil. (laughs) 
that you notice the guy doing that news stories from the UK. He's got the accent, and they're talking about our president. He was talking about Joe Biden and what Biden said. And in case you missed it, here's an exact quote from the president yesterday. That's why I and so damn many other people I grew up with have cancer. And he was talking about oil. Well, first of all, oil on your windshield doesn't cause cancer. And secondly, he didn't grow up with cancer. I know it's one thing for anybody to say something like that, to embellish something that is so serious, cancer. Cancer's, if not the biggest, it's one of the biggest scourges of humanity. And Joe, what he's trying to do is embellish what people think about him. He, Joe Biden, is really worried that the American people just don't like him. And it he just he just doesn't understand why. So one of the greatest sages of the 21st century, and I say that with all due respect, and I really respect him, John Kennedy, Senator John Kennedy from Louisiana. He kind of wanted to, um, he went on Fox News yesterday. And Senator Kennedy has a way of I call him a wordsmith. He weaves words together, and he uses similes that we can really relate with, especially those of us who live in his state, Louisiana. I want you to listen to John Kennedy explaining, he and the the news people that are in this uh, audio soundbite, they were going back and forth about what Jill Biden, Joe's bride, is saying out there, on the campaign trail, and they are campaigning, make no mistake about it. He's supposed to be the president out doing all these great speeches, but he's campaigning, folks. He wants to be the nominee in 2024 to run for president for the Democrat Party. But it's not looking so good among the American people. And Jill Biden, she really doesn't like that. The first lady coming to her husband's defense saying that the problems that have piled up under the president's watch are not his fault. Jill Biden telling donors at a private Democratic fundraiser that a host of unforeseen events here and abroad have stopped the Biden administration from achieving most of its agenda. Quote, he's just had so many things thrown his way. Who would have ever thought about what happened with the Supreme Court overturning Roe v. Wade? Well. Maybe we saw it coming, but we still didn't believe it. The gun violence in this country is absolutely appalling. We didn't see the war in Ukraine coming. Republicans say it's no excuse for the president's policies, and they point to his poll numbers as proof that the American people are not buying it. Let's bring in Senator John Kennedy, Republican from Louisiana. So Jill Biden, the first lady, lamenting that all of these crises have beset her husband and not allowed his domestic policy agenda, his foreign policy agenda for that matter as well, to go forward, that it's been sidetracked. But when it comes to things like gas prices, inflation, the war in Ukraine, which she said nobody saw coming, how much of this was unforeseen and how much of this is a self-inflicted wound? I'm, uh, I'm sorry the, uh, the First Lady is not enjoying herself more. Imagine how the American people feel. They don't get free food and free housing or a free helicopter or a free plane are several free cars and a staff of thousands. Here is a cold dish of truth, John. 
You reap what you sow. Um, go woke and go broke. And that's the reason that the results of President Biden's policies look like the aftermath of a bar broil. <laughs> President Biden has chosen to blindly follow such masters of the universe as Senator Bernie Sanders, Congresswoman Ocasio-Cortez, and the people on The View. Uh, take, take inflation. Mm. This inflation was made in Washington. At President Biden's encouragement, the Federal Reserve printed too much money, Congress spent too much money, and President Biden uh, forfeited America's energy independence. And if you disagreed with any of that, the president called you a, a racist or a misogynist or a Nazi. Yeah. Now, the Federal Reserve has started reversing that policy. Mm -hmm. President Biden hasn't. And I would suggest to him that the solution to a fantasy is to stop indulging in it. Yeah, he's still got Bill Back Banner on his mind. Now, this the, the comments from the first lady came at a fundraiser uh, for the uh, DNC on Nantucket, at which, according to the New York Post, she said, the president had so many hopes and plans for things he wanted to do, but every time you turned around, he had to address the problems of the moment. Every presidency is beset with crises. It's, it's part of being president. But other administrations have been able to deal with the crises and also pursue their, their policy agendas. Why is this president incapable of doing that? I don't know. Um, some think that uh, age is not a guarantee of wisdom. Mm -hmm. uh, that may be part of it. But I think the real reason is his policies. I, I mean, uh, look at the border. You know, they, they say, oh, uh, woe is me. We've got a crisis at the border. Well, Mr. President, you created it. If you want mm -hmm. to solve it, just go back to the policies that were implemented the day before you took office. Uh, I mentioned inflation. A another example is crime. Yep. Well, when you persistently defund and disrespect the police, um, policemen are going to quit. And the solution is to stop defunding and disrespecting the police, stand behind them, encourage them to enforce all laws, the big ones and the little ones. I mean, so, you don't have to be Einstein's cousin, John, to figure all this out. You know, when you take a look at this New York Times Siena poll that came out a number of days ago, which, which really is disastrous for the president, there are so many people across the board that do not want to see him run again. When asked whether or not Biden should be the nominee in 2024 or another candidate, young voters, 18 to 29 years old, 94% said another candidate. White voters, 70% said another candidate. Hispanic voters, 63%. Black voters even had a majority, 47%. The fact that so many Democrats are now openly talking about not wanting Biden to run in 2024, does that suggest that he is a victim of unexpected crises or not up to the job? Well, I, boy, I could spend an hour on that. I, I realize the first lady's not having a very good time, but imagine how the president feels. He is less than halfway through his term, and he's already a lame duck. The majority of Americans think he shouldn't run for re-election. The majority of Democrats think he won't, shouldn't run for re-election. Um, a lot of his colleagues are already talking about running against him. And the only way he's going to find his footing, in my judgment, and the only way that uh, 
uh, the American people are going to, to be better off is to reverse his woke policies. It's yeah. just that simple. You reap what you sow. Otherwise, I mean, the, the American people are just going to continue to uh, to not eat, trust him eat with, a, with a glow stick. That was so comprehensive in analysis of where we are in a Biden administration in less than two years in, 18 months, almost 19 months into his presidency. He's already a lame duck. You know what that is. That means somebody that has no hope to run again. So whatever they're doing, wherever they're serving, their ability to do any good is really hampered because everybody knows this guy's not going to be around for another term. Senator Kennedy said something at the beginning of this, and he went back to it and referenced it at the end of it. And by the way, that's what wordsmiths really, really do. When they make some kind of comment, it's kind of like the key, uh, the heart of what they're about to say, and they make that up front, and it just kind of resonates in your brain before they finish giving that speech or having that conversation like you just heard, they reference that again. It's kind of like we hit you with something big up front, what we're saying. And then we go back at the end of it to make sure you don't forget it later on and say it again. What is that? What was that? You reap what you sow. Now, where does that come from? It comes from the eighth chapter of the book of Genesis. It's verse 21, I believe, 20 or 21 or it's two or three verses there. In, uh, in context, I'll just give you the skinny, what that was in Genesis. This is right after the flood, when every person on earth was destroyed by water, except Noah and his family. So, when all the water dried up, God called Noah, I guess they were using smartphones back then, and he said, hey Noah, we got to have a talk. So they got together and God made a promise to Noah. He promised Noah this, he will never flood the earth again. That's number one. And then he promised him three things that will never change as long as earth exists. Number one, there'll always be light and dark. There'll always be hot and cold. Hmm. We'll always have two seasons, four seasons. You live in Louisiana, you only have two. And he said this, there will always be reap and sow. Seed time and harvest is what it says, I think, in the King James Version. What is that? Planting and stuff growing up from what is planted. And it doesn't have to be on a farm. It doesn't have to be about your garden. And this is what Senator Kennedy was talking about. Joe Biden planted all of these seeds. He planted a bunch of them way back. Whenever he was a U.S. senator, he created a reputation back then. And everybody knew a couple of things, many things about Senator Biden from Delaware. He was loud. He was very arrogant. He was very self-centered. And how do you think he got the nickname Plugs? It's because when his hairline started receding, he went and got the plug. So he's a vain guy. One thing about Joe Biden when he was a senator that I really liked, he gave a heck of a speech. He could really put things together, which that's one reason why we know the president we have is nothing like the senator from Delaware was. He's lost way, 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 way too much 
of his abilities to communicate with those around him. But everything that Jill is seeing play out in their life, when she looks at her husband, she knows he's extremely frustrated, but she is too, because they expected, just like any president-elect and first lady-elect would really expect, things would be kind of cool when you live at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. You're going to be the center of attention. Everybody's going to be glowingly respecting you, wanting to be with you, wanting to be a part of what you're doing. And you couldn't even take all the phone calls and read all the cards and the emails of congratulations that you get from all these people. That's what they went into the White House expecting. What they didn't get, and the reason they didn't get it, because Joe, even though he was in politics his whole life, he was never in a position where he had direct interface with millions of Americans, not to mention the thousands of dignitaries from overseas that he's going to be interacting with. And those, all those things, they're a product of what you put in the ground. When you plant peach seeds, what grows? Peaches. Joe and Jill have planted a lot of seeds in their life. All of us plant seeds every day in our lives, folks. Joe and Jill, the stuff that they have planted, especially Joe, it's coming up now. And they don't like the product of what has been planted. And guess who else doesn't like that product? We the people. We the people don't like the product that we're looking at right now as our president. It's been a year and a half since he took office. Americans give him in one poll Quinnipiac. You just heard them talking about one poll in that audio bite with Senator Kennedy. Quinnipiac poll came out minutes ago. They gave him a negative 31, 61% job approval rating. 31% approved, 60 disapproved. The lowest score of his presidency. Republicans, 94 to 2%. Independents, 67 to 23%. Nobody approves of what he's doing. Democrats approve, 71 to 18%. Registered voters give him a negative 33, 59% job approval. 33% registered voters, 33% approved, 59% disapproved. Americans were asked about his handling of and response to COVID-19. 50% approved, 43% don't. Their response to Russia's invasion of Ukraine, 40%, he did okay, 52% disapproved. Foreign policy, 36% approved, 55% disapproved. Gun violence, 32% approved, 61% disapproved. The economy, you get this, 28% approved, 66% disapproved. That poll came out just minutes ago, right before we went live this morning. They are reaping what they've sown. Joe Biden is reaping what he has sown. And you can't shortcut the process, it happens every time we put seed in the ground. Whatever the ground is, we're seeding. For Joe Biden, 
His planting ground is all across the United States, Canada, Mexico, South America, Central America, Africa, Asia, Europe, every square inch of earth. Because Joe Biden is president of the United States, the most powerful man on the planet, everything he says, everything he does, it comes back as seed planted in the ground and it grows. All of these policies, these crazy, insane things going on, these nut jobs that Joe Biden has in his cabinet and and appointed positions that aren't cabinet positions, and every day more pops up. We see interviews with them. We see them in um, congressional hearings for nomination, and we listen to their answers to our elected officials trying to make them at least perceived to be qualified for these positions so they can confirm them for the president. And, I mean, I shake my head all the time. I shake my head all the time. I can't believe anybody that is smart enough, that has enough intelligence and understanding of the job, anybody that would end up getting the votes from the American people sufficient to serve as president, would say and do these things, but it's even worse. They can kind of couch it a little bit and, you know, put it in the middle of a bunch of other stuff so it doesn't sound so bad. But when you get before a congressional committee and these people say these stupid things, every time the American people are saying, Joe Biden nominated these people. He put them up to be considered for these jobs. Let me give you an example. Uh, here's Ted Cruz, one of these committees. It's a hearing for the Department of Science and Technology, the nominee to head it. This is just a short little listen to what one of these people that Joe Biden has nominated is supposed to be an expert, science and technology. I mean, you would think they would have a scientist sitting there, especially talking about the things that are important today to science. What is that? Well, it's COVID-19, but we've got Fauci. He's the science for that. Science and technology, got to have somebody else that's pretty smart on um, science and technology. OSTB has done a lot of work under President Biden on energy and climate, and, and there may be no area of science that is more politicized than energy and climate. Of the almost 200 nations on planet Earth, which nation has reduced its CO2 emissions by the greatest number of total tons over the last 15 years? Uh, Senator Cruz, I, uh, I would probably want to look at the data to give you a complete answer to that. I know the U.S. has been uh, very good at reducing our emissions after having a long history of being the greatest emitter. Okay, uh, the, the complete answer is the United world. States of America, which has reduced our CO2 emissions by more than 600 million metric tons in the past 15 years. And my last question, because my time has expired, what is the principal cause of the United States leading the world in the reduction of CO2 emissions? And there, there is an objectively correct answer to this. Um, Senator, from my recollection of looking at the shifts in uh, U.S. emissions, they have come about, I believe, from a combination of uh, efficiency improvements, of shifts in manufacturing, uh, and of uh, the adoption of renewables. 
Okay, that question is, that answer is scientifically false. The answer for the principal cause of the reduction of CO2 emissions is the substitution of natural gas for coal in the production of electricity. That is objective, it is scientific fact, and it is dismaying to me that your answer to this committee is the political answer rather than actually talking about science and data and facts. And it also explains why the Biden administration has a relentless hostility to natural gas, even though it is the principal driver of carbon reductions. That is not science, that is politics, and frankly, it's bad politics. Actually, Senator, I disagree with you. I don't think it's either of those two. I think it's stupidity. I think this president and many of those people that work for him, and here's an example. This woman, supposed to be qualified, head the Department of Science and Technology, you would think she would know the science And especially with the climate agenda that this administration has on this one topic, you would know, you would absolutely know the person that they would bring up to run that department would know what Senator Cruz's answer to that question was. Maybe she just didn't want to say it because you can't say that and be part of a green energy administration that the big changer, the big pollution evader, the one that has fixed it and made us the number one nation on the planet in reducing our carbon energy output and pollution is natural gas. Now, obviously, that's not a good thing for that department. It's not a good thing for Joe Biden because that's one of the scourges of humanity that he did everything he could do on day one of his administration to stop it by canceling the XL pipeline permit. Nothing in this administration, nothing in what Joe Biden is doing, nothing regarding any person that works in his administration is good for the American people. That's the reason Joe Biden has got to go. And we cannot wait for two and a half more years for that to happen. When playing football, you run up to 120 pitches. You work out 650 muscles. You withstand three times your body weight. You treble your adrenaline production. You raise your heartbeat to 180 times per minute. And in the end, you lose up to three liters of sweat for one goal. This game is not a game. Gatorade works with no artificial colors or sweeteners. Thirst, can I try out a few Coke Summer sound effects on you? Yes. Cool. You okay with this? Yes. And this? And what about this? Yes. Ha! Gotcha there, Thirst. That wasn't sound effects. That was a Coke. I'm no longer thirsty. You're so out of here. Coca-Cola. Open happiness. You love chocolate. Mmm, chocolate. You love M&M's. Oh, yes. But your tastes have grown up and you're just not wild about super sweet milk chocolate, so you've been avoiding M&M's. Yeah. Well, fear no more. Huh? M&M's dark chocolate to the rescue. My heroes. M&M's dark chocolate candies 
Available wherever fine candies are sold. Could switching to GEICO really save you 15% or more on car insurance? Did the little piggy cry wee, wee, wee all the way home? You're home. Oh, cool. Thanks, Mrs. A. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Fake news, spin, anger, violence. How do you sort through the chaos? You tune in to TNN, the Truth News Network. Truthnewsnet.org. If you want to join the show, anytime you want to be on the show, ask questions. Feel free to call toll-free 1-866-37-TRUTH. That's 1-866-378-7884. Well, there's another um, Biden administration nut job, actually not in the administration, but serving a state during the Biden administration. Now, think about that for a second. If you looked around the nation and you wondered, based upon what I said, who I might be talking about, somebody leading a state, and I use the term nut job. No, it's not Gavin Newsom from California. So who might I be referencing? Well, I'll just give you a hint. She's from Michigan. (laughs) Governor Gretchen Whitmer. And she's doing everything she can to keep her job. But if something happens and the people of Michigan decide to boot her, She's at the same time, she's trying to keep that job. She's politicking for a job in Washington. So before she signed yesterday her $76 billion state budget, she canceled, and what do you think she canceled? A $2 million adoption tax credit, $10 million to promote adoption as an alternative to abortion, $3 million for a maternal navigator pilot program, $700,000 for the Real Alternatives Pregnancy Program, which promotes childbirth, alternatives to abortion, and grief counseling. She canceled all of that that lawmakers put in this bill for the budget for the upcoming year. She canceled it all. Well, her budget, on the other hand, will significantly grow state government by adding some 535 full-time positions to the public payroll. They aren't there this year. 535 people to fill 535 new full-time jobs. She is a staunch supporter of Roe v. Wade, and she's also a supporter of a right to abortion on demand, anytime you want during the pregnancy. Did you know that? She said she's pulling out all the stops to enshrine abortion rights into Michigan state law, which kind of helps explain why she's so hostile to programs that are designed to give women choices on abortion. For three and a half years, she said the threat of my veto is what has kept Michigan pro-choice, frankly, with the legislature that we have. She said she's also spoken with the Biden administration, urging them to talk with their Canadian counterparts 
to ensure that American women can, you know, just go across the border into Canada if they become unavailable in the U.S. So following the Supreme Court's reversal of Roe v. Wade, it seems like it was months ago, but it's just a month ago, Governor Whitmer filed a motion in which she urged the Michigan Supreme Court to immediately consider her lawsuit asking them, the court, to decide if Michigan's state constitution protects the right to abortion. Here's what she said about that. Today, I filed a motion urging the court to immediately take up my lawsuit to protect abortion in Michigan. We need to clarify that under Michigan law, access to abortion is not only legal, but constitutionally protected. The urgency of the moment is clear. The Michigan court must act now. So what about the other side of the aisle? What did they do up there? Well, state Republicans reacted pretty strongly to Whitmer's line-eye of vetoes targeting these pro-life initiatives that I gave to you at the top of this story. And they're insisting that by doing so, she was limiting women's real-life choices rather than expanding them. And that makes sense. If you, you've got a department, a program out there that's doing something for a group of people over here, if you want to take away that department that these people are using to do something over here, they can't do it anymore. And this is all about women, or it's supposed to be about women and their bodies right. It's shocking that the governor and her far-left political base are now so extreme that helping pregnant women who just might consider adoption instead is now a bridge too far. That's State Representative Thomas Albert. Let me just say about Gretchen Whitner something that I don't want to sound sexist, but in almost every solo picture that comes out on her, if you look at her face, she actually looks like, and I'm, I'm not being ugly, I'm just going to say exactly how this looks to me, and this is not to diminish her in any way. It's just what it is. She looks like a witch a perception of what a witch would look like. And it's scary. I'm right now, as I'm talking to you, I'm looking at my iMac computer screen, and there's a picture of her in the middle of it. Let me let me just get you to do this. Go to the website Breitbart, Breitbart News. It's easy to find if you don't already have it. There's a story up today that's titled, Michigan Governor Whitmer Deletes Pro-Life Programs from State Budget. And there's a picture of her up at the top. Scroll down about halfway down. And then actually this picture is in a tweet. And the picture that I'm looking at scares me to death. My blood just freezes for a moment. Now what does all that mean, Dan? <laughs> it means I don't like her. <laughs> and that's my personal opinion. I've never met her. She may be a wonderful person, and I hope she is. But when you start figuring out ways to continue the right to slaughter the innocent among us, there's something wrong with that. There's something really wrong with that. So much for that. I guess she has a counterpart way down south. Well, who are you talking about, Dan? Another governor? Well, you could point to any Republican governor, and the left will 
label them all as crazy. They don't care a thing about women. They don't care anything about immigrants, all those kind of things. They've weaponized everything. Anytime you disagree with the Democrat, others on the far left, why don't you agree with them? It's because you're evil. You're stupid. You're a ultra MAGA person. And this guy in Biden's administration, just when you think he can't do anything more stupid, he does. Who am I talking about? You know, DHS Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas. He yesterday, once again, in an interview, he claimed, I'm serious about this, he told Americans the southern border is secure. So we'll just move on to another story and talk about it because everything's okay down there. Now they only had a couple hundred thousand that we caught come in last month. Probably another couple of hundred thousand that swam the river that we didn't catch. But hey, southern border is secure. We got laws, immigration laws passed by Congress, including Joe Biden when he was senator that says we have borders. And it's a crime for anybody to come into our nation across both borders. We got one up north that we don't ever talk about. There's illegal immigration coming in from there. There are some really bad people that are coming in from there, but that's not the big place. The big kahuna is our southern border. So I'm not making any allegations against Alejandro. We become pretty tight. We understand each other. He knows I can't stand what he is standing for. And he looks at me and he says this when he sees this is a big ball guy with a kind of deep voice, got a beard, wears an earring in his left ear. Oh, does he have a tattoo? Alejandro, you'll never know that. But the way I feel for him is based upon the things that he says and things he does. People that work with you at your job, people that are around you, if you don't have an outside-of-the-home job, people that you're with, they form their opinions of you by being with you, listening to the things you say, watching to see the things that you do. It's no different with anybody in the Biden administration. And so who works with and for Alejandro Mayorkas? Principally, thousands of Border Patrol people. They work for him. He's their boss. Multiple Border Patrol agents are pushing back against Alejandro and his claim that the southern border is secure, just as agents on the front lines of the historic migrant crisis are struggling to cope with an overwhelming number of illegals that they face every day. More than 207,000 encounters in June alone the fourth month in a row where the number of encounters breached the 200,000 mark. But Alejandro, speaking at the Aspen Security Forum on Tuesday, he dismissed the claims about the border not being secure. Look, he said, the border is secure. We're working to make the border more secure. That has been a historic challenge. And so what's what's a good politician, what's a great leader always do always first thing they do 
is they refuse to take accountability for anything bad that happens. Who's responsible for the bad stuff happening at the southern border? Alejandro. Federal lawmakers who have said they won't commit to broad immigration legislation until the situation is addressed. He said this, I've said to a number of legislators who expressed to me that we need to address the challenge at the border before they pass legislation, and I take issue with the math of holding the solution hostage until the problem is resolved, he said. There is work to be done, before adding that safe and secure are two different words. Let me tell you why lawmakers won't even take up this, oh, massive amount of immigration bills that are out there. Why they won't even do it. You know why they won't do it? It's because people in Alejandro Mayorkas's organization, Department of Homeland Security, they won't enforce existing laws. And so I've never understood how Joe Biden could keep this guy on the job unless he may have naked pictures of Joe Biden and is blackmailing him. I have no comprehension of how any president personally could suborn any illegality, any criminality, which is what it is every day. Alejandro is stopping the Border Patrol from enforcing federal immigration laws. Joe Biden is not only allowing Mayorkas to continue to do this, he's encouraging it. How can this happen? And then they look at the American people and say, look, just give us the new laws that we want you to give us and we'll fix things down here. Well, the bills that they're talking about are Democrat bills and it begins with giving everybody that's here in the United States, all these illegals that come over, give them a free pass and a direct path to citizenship. And with that comes the right to vote. And with that comes a perpetual Democrat party in control of our government. That's what this is all about and nothing else. Brandon Judd, president of the National Border Patrol Council, he disputed firsthand, obviously, that the border is secure, pointing to not only the drug flows into the U.S., but also the number of migrants that get past agents. One high-level customs border patrol source said last month that there have been 440,000 known gotaways since the fiscal year began in October. What are those gotaways? Well, they have a lot of electronic ability down there to monitor the border, drones principally. And when they're flying these drones, they see people that have come across and they send border agents out to find them, but they don't find them all. They know of 440,000 of those just since fiscal year began in October. Over 50,000 of them in May alone. Combined with the 400,000 known since the beginning of fiscal year 21, that means that more than 800,000 illegal immigrants have gotten past agents since October of 2020. As bad as the apprehension numbers are, and they're beyond bad, the scariest part of border security is the gotaways and the amount of drugs that are coming into the country. How much and what kind of drugs 
came in with those 800,000 illegal immigrants. Secretary Mayorkas knows that we have the least secure border in our history, as evidenced by nearly a million known gotaways, over 100,000 overdose deaths from narcotics coming across the border. Yeah, there are some easy solutions, but based upon the evidence and the refusal to implement programs to secure the border today, it's clear this administration, including Mayorkas, clearly does not care about the security of the American people. Another Border Patrol agent said that Mayorkas is telling bold-faced lies. They're using issues like poverty, like crime and climate change of all things. <laughs> you think anybody in Central America, including Mexico, down in South America, the Bahama Islands, do you think any of those people are really concerned about climate change so they're going to come to the United States for that reason? Some of these people we're told are using climate change, poverty, crime in their countries as reasons to come here and they claim asylum. But those don't meet the legal standard of the law. Mayorkas, Border Patrol Chief Raul Artez, and President Biden are failures that do not have the support of agents and many command staff. They all have violated their oath of office to defend the laws of the Constitution, and they should be removed. Now, they tell us the Biden administration at the top, you know, Vice President Harris, she was going to fix all that stuff down there, and she'd been down there working her butt off, getting, she's finding what all of these illegals are coming up here for, and they're fixing those problems in those countries. You've heard about all the progress in that, haven't you? They have focused their response to the crisis on targeting root causes of the crisis, like corruption and poverty in Central America, as well as implementing what it calls safe and legal pathways for immigration and claiming asylum. Well, we already have those. We already have those. In every country in Central America, there is an American government present there, and we have these consulates where anybody that wants to go there and apply for asylum in the United States, that's where you go get it done. Novel thing, Mr. Mayorkas. Novel thing, Mr. President. Before we start adopting any new laws that you want to adopt, of course, we probably wouldn't adopt yours. We're not going to just declare all of a sudden that all these illegals that you're letting come in are legal now, use a magic wand to make them be good people, it doesn't matter anything about their criminal history, what they bring across with them like drugs and stuff like that, none of that matters. We're not going to deal with you unless and until you enforce existing immigration laws. We're just not going to do it. I don't think even Democrats would vote en masse for that to happen. I might be surprised, but I don't think so. Before we go to break, thought you would know this, and it probably helped you sleep better tonight. Natural gas started flowing 
through a major pipeline from Russia to Europe late yesterday after a 10-day shutdown for maintenance. That's the lifeblood, the energy lifeblood for North and Western Europe. It's Vladimir Putin. (laughs) And who was surprised when all of a sudden, mysteriously, that gas line got shut down? Well, it's wonderful that Vlad's opened it back up, but guess what? The gas flow now is well short of full capacity, and it doesn't look like uh, as they head into some cool weather, they're going to have enough of that evil fossil fuel to even make it work. In fact, in Germany, they are already cranking up those coal plants that they shuttered because... They had a deal with Vladimir Putin and we were going to get all their natural gas from Russia. The Nord Stream 1 pipeline, which runs under the Baltic Sea to Germany, had been closed since July 11th for annual maintenance. And in the middle of the growing tensions over the war in Ukraine, German officials feared that the pipeline, which is the country's number one source of gas, which recently, by the way, had accounted for around a third of Germany's gas supplies, might not reopen at all. Network data showed gas showing up through the Nord Stream 1 pipeline scheduled after 6 a.m. this morning, their time, and the operator said it had successfully completed all the maintenance. But deliveries still far below the pipeline's full capacity as they were for weeks before the maintenance break. So what does this mean? It means exactly what you think it does. Vladimir Putin, he's got his finger on the pulse of everything regarding energy for Europe. All of it. That's exactly what he wanted. And this Ukraine war that he started, don't think for a second that it doesn't have a heap of reasoning regarding fuel and food for the Russian people and Ukraine, and everybody else on the planet, go fend for yourself. Have you heard about Blank Slate yet? It's the best board game. In fact, Blank Slate has quickly become the new favorite with everybody around here. It's very simple. Unlike other games, no one gets embarrassed. Blank Slate is all about having fun, right? That's what we want. It's perfect for when you get the fam together or play with friends online because it's a game that everyone can get into. And if you need proof, just check out any of the hundreds of five-star reviews. It's basically selling out. So get Blank Slate now at Target, Barnes & Noble, or wherever you buy games. What can milk do? Well, it can turn you into a morning person. It can help fuel some pretty tough stuff. And it can definitely make cartoons funnier. No, it can't. Oh, well, it can have a little edge. But come on, even kitties love it. It'll keep up with you at any age. It makes engines whir and creme brulee cremey. It's one of the easiest labels you'll ever read. And anything that makes this happen is pretty special. In fact, what can't milk do? I pass through the trees. I leave behind the mountains. I weave in the air. I fly over the birds. And I wish, when I complete my journey, I leave behind a better world. Honda Civic Hybrid, India's first hybrid car with IV Tech engine, leave behind a better world. 
right here in New York City. With the coverage of 5G nationwide and in more and more cities, the unprecedented performance of ultra-wideband. It will change your phone and how businesses do everything. I'm proud because we didn't build it the easy way. We built it right. This is the 5G America's been waiting for. Only from Verizon. 5G ultra-wideband available only in parts of select cities. 5G nationwide available in 1,800 plus cities. Well, well, don't forget I told you tomorrow, in addition to having this amazing guest that we're going to have in our first hour, Richard Hirschner, I'm going to tell you tomorrow who's going to be the Democrat that runs for the presidency in 2024. I'm pretty sure about this, and let me just go into it. I'm not going to give you any hints of who it is today, but let me remind you of this. Uh, about a month and a half before Melania and Donald came down the escalator back in 2015 and formally announced his run for the White House, a full month, maybe a month and a half before that, I published my prediction of who was going to bear the Republican banner in that race for the presidency in 2016. Uh, uh, what was he? Uh, 2016. And it was him. And I'm telling you that for what reason? I guess I've been able to look and analyze a lot of people on both sides of any issue. Who's going to run and what the American people, if those people run, what the probability of those people giving them support. And I'm talking about the Democrat side for 2024. Um, I think to be honest with you, I think Donald Trump is going to run for a re-election in 2024. But if he doesn't, there'll be some other people out there and there are others that are making some noise about running that I think are well qualified. I don't think any of them could beat in a primary. The ones that are making the noise right now could beat Trump. But I've got it narrowed down on the Democrat that will represent the Democrat Party. You got to be here for that. You got to be here for that. Now, we were talking about the Bidens. We were talking about Jill and how upset she is that the American people aren't supporting her husband. Well, Hunter's not her son, but Hunter, of course, is Joe's son. And as you know, he's been under investigation, a federal investigation for some time. We know that's happening, and it's happening in Delaware, not from Washington, D.C., Well, they've leaked some news coming out of that investigation. And what are they investigating? His shady business activities. That's up at the top of the list. We are told this morning that it has apparently reached a critical juncture. And investigators now are considering filing charges against him, though likely not until after, you go ahead and say it, the midterms. While no final decision has yet been made on whether to bring charges against him, sources say the probe the feds in Delaware have been doing, it's intensified, along with discussions among Delaware-based prosecutors, investigators running the probe, and officials at the DOJ. Discussions recently, now this is CNN, discussion, and of course if they said it, oh, 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 
It's factual. (laughs) I think they are the weakest network on the planet. MSNBC runs a close second. But CNN, they just talk out of the sky. They haven't got Anyway, discussions recently have centered around possibly, possibly bringing charges that could include alleged tax violations, making a false statement in connection with Biden's purchase of a firearm at a time he would have been prohibited from doing so because of his acknowledged struggles with drug addiction. You know those things that you're not supposed to do, and if you do them, you're breaking federal laws, criminal laws. Yeah, they're going to look at charging him with a few of those things. So another leak, another source came out. According to this one, investigators are also considering charges for foreign lobbying violations. Now, how could they justify that charge? I mean, we're talking about Hunter Biden, not Joe. Hunter's not got ties with foreigners in business. Yeah, that's the whole thing. Everything about him is about his ties with foreign governments and through those governments, very wealthy people in businesses in their countries. And how did all this come together? Oh, Joe, he just drug Hunter along on a bunch of trips on Air Force Two with him during his eight years as vice president. So who's investigating Hunter? U.S. Attorney David Weiss, who was appointed to his post by former President Donald Trump, which means maybe, just maybe, justice will get a fair shake coming from this federal investigator. Weiss is one of a handful of appointees of Donald Trump who were kept on by the Biden administration because they were overseeing politically sensitive investigations. His Trump ties seemingly look well for those hoping to see Senator held responsible for his shady behavior. However, even if charges are eventually filed, they likely won't be filed until after the midterms. Justice Department memoranda advise prosecutors against doing that, bringing any cases or taking any overt investigative steps with the purpose of impacting an election or providing an advantage or disadvantage to any candidate. Attorney General Garland, he put out a memo in May, a memo to prosecutors reiterating the DOJ stance on election year sensitivities. Many people looking on are eager to see something. Anything happened given the obvious corruption. The Biden family syndicate, it's been out there, and I'm not the one that coined that phrase, that term. It's been used for years because the family has been involved with some very shady stuff. You know that. It has been. This corruption, this particular corruption, has been laid bare for the public by the slow release of photos, of videos, of emails, and texts that come from Hunter's infamous laptop. The latest release, I'm sure you've seen at least some of it, is a batch of text. It was published by the Daily Mail on Tuesday of this week. If you haven't seen it, go check it out. And it showed Hunter fretting over the fate of his gangster-like business associates and clients. One associate, Yi Jiming, the former chairman of the Chinese oil giant CEFC, who it turns out has been in a Chinese prison 
Yi Jinming since 2018, and guess what for? Corruption, corrupt behavior. The chairman of that big, big energy giant, Chinese energy giant, the private firm that has agreed to buy nearly $9.1 billion stake in Russia oil major Rosneft. That's the biggest oil company in Russia. That guy, Yi Jinping, and that oil giant, and Hunter Biden are the ones that were buying that big stake in the Russian big company. He's been investigated for suspected economic crimes. Yi Jinping, who founded the company in 2002, was taken in for questioning this year without saying which authorities were involved or whether the probe was continuing. The person declined to be identified because of the sensitivity of the matter. One client, meanwhile, client of Hunter's, was a guy named Patrick Ho. Hunter described in the text as Yi's right-hand man. Court records show there was a Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act, FISA warrant, against Ho, showing federal law enforcement suspected he had links to the Chinese intelligence services, though he was never charged with any espionage offenses. Seems like everyone linked to Hunter's a bad guy. Perhaps even that includes the big guy himself. Some of Hunter text referenced a big guy. Most observers suspect was then Vice President Joe Biden. And you know the rest of that story. Let me just bo- let, bo- boil it down to this. I'm going to tell you this. They're going to indict Hunter for something. And they're going to give him an opportunity to plead it out. That's kind of normal and natural in this. And the fact that his, his dad is president of the United States is going to be a big factor in all of this. It won't be nearly as big a factor as it would be if this was a Joe Biden-appointed federal prosecutor handling this case instead of a Donald Trump prosecutor. Now, what does that mean? Does it mean that all, all people appointed to be prosecutors, federal prosecutors around the nation, are uh, beholden to whoever appointed them? Well, let's be honest. Everybody that is appointed or nominated to any government position is naturally going to have some type of obligation. But what this really boils down to is the fact that Joe Biden is president of the United States. It doesn't matter if they convicted Hunter Biden of first-degree murder. I promise you, before Joe Biden leaves office, whenever that is going to be, whatever Hunter has been charged with, pled to, been convicted of, Hunter's going to get a presidential full pardon. You can bet on it. How do you know that, Dan? I don't know that. I just watched the ebb and flow of the way things work in D.C. and how all that does work means that if you're in the click, whichever click is in power, you got people that are looking out for you because you're in the click because you've got people looking out for you. They know they can use you if and when they need to. Let me just say this, folks. I don't think we're over the hill in any way as a nation. I've told you on this show numerous times, we're very close to 
being pushed over the edge of that big, big cavern that there's no way to get out of. I'm very confident we are. But I still believe there are enough good people in government. And I just believe this. I'm never going to be a person that wakes up every morning and, and just does, oh me, poor me. I'm not going to do that. That's not my makeup. As long as I'm alive, I'm going to be looking for the good in you and anybody else around me. And I'm going to believe, in most cases, that there is good that can be drawn out. And I'm going to spend my time trying to draw the good out of anybody and everybody with whom I interact with. That's just the way it is. Any of you that know me, you know that about me. I don't believe we're done. I don't. I don't believe we're toast. I believe God is going to intervene. And God intervenes with people. Look at what happened in 2016. Say what you will about Donald Trump. Say what you will about the way he messages, the way he messaged then, the things that he says negative about people. In the middle of all of that, that was all put together. That was Donald Trump, a businessman, and the way he has always had to operate to keep his place and where he was living and working. Where was that? Principally, New York City, Manhattan. And if you know anything about people there in business from top to bottom, you better watch your back. They work a whole lot different there than most other places in the United States. And you gotta, you've got to communicate very strongly in everyday life in Washington, D.C. and big business. You just got to do it. And what we saw and heard from Donald Trump for four years, that's the way you do that. And that's why he was, and he's still a billionaire. All that being said, I wish, and I've said this numerous times, I wish Donald Trump would change his messaging. I wish he would tone it down. He wouldn't be so negative attacking people. And um, my brother, who's a pastor, he was really upset about Donald Trump and his messaging and asked if he penned a letter, would I see if I could get it to the president? And so he did. And I sent it to Ivanka. And I have in my uh, email messaging, when I send emails, if I want to make sure somebody gets an email, I can do this little thing before I send it. And when that person gets it, I'll get a notification through email. And if and when the person opens it, I get another message. Ivanka, or somebody who answers at her private email address, got the email and they opened it. And I was praying and my brother was praying that it would get to the president. I mean, she is his favorite daughter. Wait a minute. Yeah, I get it. Don't say anything. Yeah. Um... He didn't change his messaging. (laughs) And so what does this mean? I think he did what he did to have to survive and uh, to come out on top of all of these deals that he had to wade through all those years. Pretty much what you and I do. Now, our circumstances, they look a lot different than his circumstances. Say what you will, but he got a lot of stuff done that no other president in my lifetime has gotten done. Nobody's perfect. That's a fact. Nobody's perfect. But then we fast forward and we look at the last 18 months under Joe Biden. 
Joe Biden has used, as Barack Obama did in his eight years, every opportunity that they had. They use government. They weaponize government against anybody that is a political foe. And, of course, anytime they had a cause that they wanted to pursue, with the power they had as president vice president, they used that power to do whatever it is that they wanted to pursue. That's kind of the way it works. I mean, that's the way Congress is structured. you got 535 people that are voted for by the people in their various congressional districts and states, and they go up there to represent the people from their respective congressional districts and states and make laws and do government oversight of the executive branch of government. That's what they do. And in that process, just because people are people, everybody gets caught up with private things, things that you want to do. And sometimes when you come up with an idea, you may have some power, you may have something on somebody that's in a position that can sometimes, if not make these things happen, kind of grease the wheels so they get an easier opportunity to be accepted and put in place. What Biden has done is he's used the Environmental Protection Agency to further this climate change rush that they all have. And that's not supposed to be what the EPA does. The EPA is not supposed to put their thumb on the scale of making any changing. They are just supposed to enforce all of the policies that are put in place by the government regarding environmental things. And I mean, they do good work in a lot of areas, you know, clean water, air pollution, all those kind of things. But politically, they're not supposed to be involved. So guess what happened? I know you know what I'm going to say. The Supreme Court got in the middle of the EPA. And boy, the rendering that they came down with is blowing people in the White House away. And these hardcore climate folks, Green New Deal people, just because they're not getting their way. What's their way, Dan? Pushing climate change and making it remember. It is the number one existential threat to the world. And only 1% of Americans agree with that. But that never stops a Democrat. When they get something set in their head, they're going after it. You disagree with them? This Supreme Court disagreed with the EPA again. That means everybody at the Supreme Court is evil, right? All right, we welcome back to the show Senator John Thune, Senate Republican Whit from the great state of Idaho. Senator Thune, welcome. You know, so Biden gives this big speech with all of his Biden blarney, as I call it, and there's, you know, existential climate risk and all the rest of it. But I think he was intimidated by the Supreme Court decision on the EPA because his speech today was kind of a nothing burger. I mean, I was getting ready for him to have a confrontation with massive new God no national defense production and emergency powers and he kind of backed off this. I mean, I think the Supremes have intimidated him. What do you think? Well, I think that the the Supreme Court decision was a smackdown, Larry. There is no question that it it was very clear what the court was saying, and that is that the federal government, they they overreached. They interpreted the Clean Air Act in a way that Congress never intended, and it sent a message, I think, to all these regulatory agencies to reel it in. 
and uh, and I hope that message uh, is received and implemented because regulatory overreach is killing the economy and oil and gas is probably the best place to look at that. He wanted to talk about a climate emergency. What we ought to be talking about is an energy emergency mm -hmm. because that's where the American people uh, think the problem is. We don't have enough energy supplies in this country and it's you got gas prices that are uh, almost double what they were when the president took office. $2.38 a gallon when he took office. And uh, you look at what people are paying today and it's having a profound impact on the economy and American people are feeling it in their pocketbooks and um, and you know a lot of the businesses that rely on people traveling, my state of South Dakota is a good example of that, are really feeling it this year. Very, very harmful. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh Seems to me, I, I don't know that the Bidens have given up their radical climate activism. I doubt that they have, but I think they've been, you know, hurt by the Supreme Court. But then again, Senator Thune, they've done enough damage. You know, the economy for the first half of 22, right, ending in June, probably contracted, shrunk by about one and a half percent with an eight and a half percent inflation rate. And I would say so much of that is attributable to the war against fossil fuels and then of course overspending and over money printing but i put the war on fossil fuels way up in the lead yeah no question i mean my in my view larry and i think that the overspending was killer because that two trillion that they did uh, early 21 you know flooded the zone with dollars and and you got the economy got overstimulated way too much spending didn't need it but it just as importantly or more importantly no energy policy shutting down crushing oil and gas production in this country and as a consequence of that you got companies aren't investing they took federal lands out of out of production they they um, you know refused to issue permits to drill um, they quit you know they shut down infrastructure keystone xl pipeline in my state good 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 example of that and then they pressured all these companies through these ESG, um, you know, regulations, not to invest in oil and gas production. And what they've done is they forced us to become dependent upon other countries when we've got all the oil and gas resources we need right here in America to do just fine. But it is a supply and demand issue. We didn't have enough supply. There's a huge demand out there. Prices went up. American people are paying the price for bad policies, and that's as, it's as simple as that. There's really no way around it. You know, talk about that. Americans paying price for bad policies. You take a look. We got a Nipiak poll out today, I think. So of, of the great concerns of the American people, 33% inflation, 15% gas prices, 9% economy, 6% everyday bills and groceries, and Senator Thune, a whopping 1% climate change. I mean, American people are not buying this radical, semi-religious obsession uh, with climate activism. They're not buying it. They, they, they have figured this out, Larry, and like I said, I, in my home state, I was in my hometown for an old school reunion last weekend. It's on Interstate 90. It relies on uh, travelers, basically, to keep the economy going, particularly this time of the year. People go onto the Mount Rushmore and the Black Hills and Yellowstone and points beyond, and they're down 35%. Uh, the main attraction in town and they they put it squarely on gas prices so it it is a yeah this is an incredibly um a stupid policy that the administration's put in place uh particularly with regard to the the regulatory environment they created and as i said all these other things they've done to reduce american energy production and all in the all in the name of getting everybody into electric vehicles that's what their climate crazies want but the american people i get get what's going on here and that's why i think you're going to have a huge turnout in november because they they've had enough of this and and they're ready to turn the page and uh, and move on and you know the midterm elections at least give us a chance to put a check and balance against this administration's radical 
extreme policies. We're going to need to get the White House back ultimately to, to bring about you know, uh, serious change, but uh, we can at least, I think, some, stop some of the damage if we can get the midterm elections uh, behind us and have majorities in the House and Senate. Well, the cavalry's coming. And Senator Thune, I don't want to embarrass you, but I just want to say on the semiconductor procedural vote, you voted against it. May I say, good vote, sir. Good vote. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> well, I think we share that view, Larry. Good vote. <laughs> yes, sir. Terrific stuff. Thank you, Mr. Thune. Appreciate All it very right. much. Good to be with you. The bottom line is Joe Biden and his actions, the actions of those in his administration, illustrate one thing that for decades Democrats have screamed and hollered about. Republicans, every Republican that's been in office. I mean, all the way back to Bush 41, then Bush 43, and then, of course, the orange man. Every one of them is an authoritarian. Authoritarian rule, that means there's no democracy. There's no representation by the people in that presidency. It's all about that authoritarian at the top. Every aspect of the actions of this administration and even the one that he is considering and I promise you he's going to put out maybe now not till next week he's going to declare a climate emergency and you know why? Because with that the White House gets a massive amount of unfettered power and what does this authoritarian in the White House what does he do with the power that he gets. You're watching it. We're living it right now. You and I are. He does exactly what he wants. Look at the southern border. Do you think Alejandro Mayorkas, Homeland Security Secretary, would still have a job in a Trump administration? Biden's letting Mayorkas fill the nation with all kinds of criminals. Look at the drugs that have come across. Look at the babies from Central America and Mexico that have been brought across our southern border by human traffickers. Look at all of that. Biden does it because he can. Real truth, real news. TNN, the Truth News Network. Dear Daddy, dear Mom, I love you. I miss you. Every year, Snowball Express honors the children of fallen soldiers. Hi, everybody. I'm Tony Orlando. Join me in proudly supporting Snowball Express, a nonprofit that creates opportunities to help heal the children of our fallen heroes. We can never repay the sacrifice our soldiers have made, but we can honor them by giving back to their children. Donate now at snowballexpress.org. Northern Tool and Equipment. My girlfriend has given me a pet name. I'm afraid to ask. Snuggle Muffin. No, it isn't. And she uses it in public. Okay, so give your girlfriend a pet name she'll hate, like uh, Thunder Chunky. I couldn't do that. I see. Too harsh for Snuggle Muffin. Okay. Drown her out with a 200-mile-per-hour cordless leaf blower. Got it. Here she comes. Hey, Snuggle Muffin. What are you doing, Snuggle... 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 I am so out of here. Wait. Come back, Thunder Chunky. There's no problem a little horsepower can't solve. Northern Tool and Equipment. Telling the truth, the mainstream media doesn't want you to hear. Dan Newman. TNN. The Truth News Network. Again, here's Dan. 
If you weren't with us at the beginning of the show today, you didn't hear me say that we're going to have a special guest in our first hour tomorrow, Richard Hirschman. Richard Hirschman, kind of one of those guys that you don't like to think about. Why? Because he's a board-certified funeral director and embalmer, and he's bringing to us tomorrow evidence of something extremely sinister that's been going on for the last couple of years, not just in the United States, but around the world. And people in his profession in other countries, also across the United States, are coming out now publicly, and they're telling us what they're finding in many of the bodies of Americans, obviously for those in the U.S., that have been vaccinated for COVID-19 and they die, what they're discovering when they do the embalming. And it's pretty spooky. He's going to bring evidence to us today. And it's all over. We heard about it first from an embalmer in, uh, I think it was in Ireland, somewhere in the EU and uh, the UK, United Kingdom. And this guy came out, Dr. Looney, and he said, all this stuff is happening. I've never seen anything like this happen in my life. No explanation. And he began to talk about it. And then he just got shut up. It's been happening here in the United States too. These guys that are coming out are being hushed. Richard will talk about that with us tomorrow morning. And he'll present evidence. That's what we like here is evidence. So we're not talking much about the far-reaching results of this crazy inflation that we have. Think about the families. Think about the way you were raised yourself and how you've raised your kids. What's the way you do it? Well, they're born. They start their education. They start the way they live, integrating with other people. However your family rolls, they get accustomed to all of that. They go through grade school and high school, and then they'll either go sometimes to university, sometimes to business school, sometimes they go straight into the workforce, they get good jobs, of course they move out and have their own apartments, or they buy houses, they get married. That's the way it works in the United States of America. Well, this economy is, it's just turned that upside down. What's going on? Let's talk about just housing for a second. You may not know this, but there's a huge surge in rental prices across the nation. Why is that, Dan? (laughs) Bidenflation. Nearly 30% of Americans born in the late 90s and the early 2000s still live at home with their parents or relatives, or they're moving back in. This is a national survey that was conducted by Qualtrics from June 10th to June 15th, 1,022, 1,022 U.S. adults between the ages of 18 and 25. It found that 29% of those that are in the Gen C age range between 18 and 25 are living at home with mom and dad or living with other relatives and described this as a long-term housing solution as the cost of living in the nation across the country is going through the roof. Another 27% said 
say they live with a romantic partner. Just 13% live in a household with one or more roommates. This information comes as rental prices across the country have surged amid Biden inflation, particularly in the big cities like New York and L.A., leaving many of those in that generation forced to reassess how they're going to live, their circumstances of living, and in every case, they have to tighten their belts. June's inflation figures show that the rent index rose 0.8% over the month, the largest monthly increase since 1986, the month of April. Of those who have successfully moved out of their family home, 32% said half of their monthly income goes toward rent or a mortgage. 27% said they spend a quarter of their monthly income on housing. Another 21% said they spend a third of their income just to have a place to live. Overall, 61% of those said they have a household income of 50 thousand dollars or less. Now think about this. If that's if that's all the money you got coming through the front door, what does that mean? Well you're gonna have federal taxes that come out first. You're gonna have state taxes. And in these big cities, some of them have local income taxes. That's got to come out first. And then you start paying for the essentials. And of course housing, utilities, and food are the top three. If you make fifty thousand dollars or less a year, you can't make it. The average monthly housing cost for those that were surveyed was about $1,060. That's lower than the national average, which is $1,295. Another report by Zumper National, taken last month, found that U.S. rental prices are beginning to go down a little bit across several American cities this summer following an upward trend during the past year. Still, with the 12-month consumer price index hitting 9.1% in June, Gen Zers, they're called Zoomers, are still left unable to put aside much in terms of savings, which found that 28% of those who responded are not able to save anything right now. More than half who are unable to save money said this is because of inflation. 47% said this is because they are not earning enough. 40% said that the inflation is outpacing their earned income. Let me talk about another segment of Americans that this is directly impacting. Food kitchens, food distribution for people from various groups, government groups that give food away to people that are struggling with having any food in some cases, but in a lot of cases, they can't afford food that will feed their entire families. Across the nation, and especially these big, big cities like Chicago, New York City, Atlanta, Houston, Dallas-Fort Worth, Phoenix, Los Angeles, San Francisco, Seattle, then you've got Chicago up there, Detroit, all of these big cities where they give out this food, demand for this food giveaway is doubled since Joe Biden took office. Now, what does this mean? What it means, folks, is that the economy sucks right now. And it is impacting the most vulnerable among us. 
and this administration is doing nothing. They're spitting and crying and cursing today because Senator Joe Manchin of West Virginia refuses to fall in with the other Democrats in the Senate and pass that bill that the House has already passed that will put another trillion dollars in the hands of Joe Biden to spend on the various things that are included in that bill. Of course, they don't call it spending. They call it investing. Folks, when you borrow money to buy stock, you don't call that investing. You call that borrowing money. Every dime now for the rest of this fiscal year that our government spends, we don't have it in the bank to spend. We've already spent the entire year's tax money that has come into Washington, D.C. Our government has already spent it. And experts, and I'm not one of those, but experts say we can only go so much longer in this spending cycle before who knows what's going to happen. You can forget about, we're told by three or four of these experts, forget about recession. I think we're already there. They think we're already there. Unless this process is stopped, this administration will spend us into depression. Wow. There's a big race in politics going on up in the Northeast, New York. Have you heard of the guy Paladino? That sounds like a New York, a Manhattan name. You know, I'm from the Bronx. I'm from the West Bank. Paladino is up by 30 points in a Republican primary duel for a New York House seat. Carl Paladino, a recent uh, poll by his group, shows the Buffalo businessman has a 30-point lead in the Republican primary race in New York's 23rd Congressional District over his opponent, Nick Langworthy, that is chairman of the state Republican Party. The poll shows 54% of Republican primary voters support Paladino and only 24% who back Langworthy. So if you dig down through the top-line numbers, you find there's more bad news for Langworthy. His name recognition and favorability ratings are low, and his support is soft. A supermajority of GOP primary voters have heard of Paladino, and a plurality of 45%, they like him, according to the poll. In contrast, only 30% of Republican primary voters have even heard of Langworthy, just 13% think about him favorably. 25% of GOP primary electorate say they will definitely vote for Paladino in the August 23rd showdown. 7% say the same about Langworthy. Why, why are you bringing about this? Well, when you see these blue, 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 blue states and you see the great divide that is happening even in states like New York, this is a prime example. Now, I'm not talking about a Republican running against a Democrat, but I'm talking about a heavyweight Republican entrenched in the government process. The current governor process in most of these blue states has very little to do with what's best for the people that live in those states. It has to do about 
What's going on in Washington, D.C.? And what role can I play when I get there? And what can I accumulate in everything we do? How much can I skim off the top and make it available to those that support me when I'm running for office? Or maybe for me. And they look at those that are entrenched, like Langworthy. He's the chair, the head of the New York Republican Party. He's one of those guys. Palladino, to be honest with you, I don't know the guy. I know something about him, a little bit about him. But he's a lot like Donald Trump. And they come from the same state. Palladino's upstate in the Buffalo area. But nevertheless, this is an example of the changing tide in politics and the Democrat Party, DNC, leaders in the Democrat Party, they know that this is their last chance to save any remote possibility of a permanent chokehold on Washington, D.C. politics and government for the Democrat Party. They're doing everything they can to grab it, expand it, and find ways to hold on to it permanently. And it's not working. It's not working. For those of you that are struggling with our supply chain problem, I got some bad news for you. Because of one little thing that happened three days ago, one little thing, it's not a little thing, but it happened for the third day in a row yesterday, And it's going to make and is making our supply chain worse. California's Port of Oakland has shut down. Today's the third day in a row. Why shut down? Because of trucker protest over a law that's forcing them to become employees rather than contract workers. Truckers have shut down the Port of Oakland in protest of that Assembly Bill 5. Hundreds picketed gates yesterday, blocked drivers from hauling cargo. As a result, port productivity has dropped. Container wait times have risen. Organizers say protests will continue until Governor Newsom agrees to meet with them. This bill sets tougher standards for classifying workers as independent contractors. Protesters fear the law will impose hefty cost that is going to slash their earnings. Transportation has become pretty much the most important element of our economic issues across the nation. I mean, Joe Biden, his people knew in February that there was going to be a problem with baby formula. They didn't do anything to prepare for it. Jen Psaki famously told us like 11 months after the Biden administration took office when the supply chain thing began to become very, very serious across the nation, but principally at our western ports of entry. When that popped up, she was asked, What's your plan to get out of it? And she said, oh, we've been working on this diligently from even before President Biden took office. We never saw a plan. What's the plan now for the baby formula shortage? Have you seen a plan? Has anybody asked for a plan? Is there one out there? 
I don't think the answer to any of that is anything but no. Nobody knows about it, knows what's going on. Nobody's asking anybody outside of the administration what can possibly do to fix it. And nobody's doing anything about it. They're just believing, crossing their fingers, maybe praying. Straighten this out, God, straighten this out. It's If it wasn't so serious, I would say, I'd laugh my butt off at this because if you're a if you're a a manager, which technically Joe Biden is a manager, he's a manager of the United States of America. When you look at things in your operation that you manage, you don't just look at everything that's flowing well and concentrate on that. You look at things that aren't working. Maybe they all need some tweaking, maybe they all need being blown up recreated. And so what do you do? You come up with a plan. And even if everything top to bottom is working really well, you don't just sit back and put your feet up and toast, just toast what is happening and take credit for it. You don't just do that. You ask, how can we make it better? Say what you will about Donald Trump. He did that all the time. And even stuff during his administration that was working pretty much okay, he found ways to make it better. Let me just point out one thing and we'll move on. Nobody ever talks about the strategic oil petroleum, the stuff that we have in case of emergencies like hurricanes, tornadoes, fires, all those kinds of things, unexpected, but they do happen. And when they do, many times when they do, it impacts the necessity and the ability to get oil And so we have hundreds of millions of barrels of oil that are stored. Now, what did we do? Well, one of the first things Donald Trump did when he was elected and took office was he just looked at it. Somebody in the Energy Department said, hey, Barack Obama and Joe Biden, they depleted much of the strategic petroleum reserves. We need to think about getting them back to that stage. So he went ahead and did it. It wasn't a big deal. But they didn't do it all at one time. So later on, all of a sudden, when the price of oil just dropped down to less than $30 a barrel, Trump, a businessman, he got an idea. What was his idea? Hey, now's the time. We need to go ahead and get all of our oil reserves back up to snuff. And let's do it because it's so cheaper now than it was when I took office and certainly when they were in office. That's what a businessman does. If something's working okay, you find a way to make it better. And if you don't do that, you're not a manager. You may be an order taker. You may be somebody who has a title to manage, but it's a different thing, folks. Managing and knowing what it is to manage are two completely different things. And if anybody comes in and wants a job working for you, Let me tell you how I did it for my 30-plus years in my company. What I did, somebody came in and wanted a job, I'd bring them in and sit them down. If I had their resume in front of me, I would have already perused it before they came in. If not, I'll ask them, what do you do? Where do you do it? How long you been there? Tell me why I should hire you for this job. And if they didn't have an idea, if they didn't or couldn't tell me the answer to those things, 
typically I wouldn't hire them because they were not thinking about managing whatever it was that they would be involved in in my company. And I'm not talking about hiring as a manager. I'm talking about hiring as an employee. Everybody in the company has obligations and responsibilities, and it's expected of everybody to do those things. How would you do that? What would you do to make it better? You find especially a young person that thinks that way. You can almost bet they're going to do an amazing job wherever they end up because they don't look at just the present. They look at what needs to happen weeks out, months out, and even years out, and they come up with a plan. What will it take for us to get there? And they create a process. Have you heard or seen one person in the Biden administration, give us a plan. What are you doing? What are you going to do to fix our food shortage that is happening now, but we know is getting worse and worse? What are you going to do about this transportation thing that is blowing our entire distribution across the nation? It's blowing it up. Nobody can rely on anything. Nobody knows what's going to happen. There's no plan to fix it. You've been living with it for 18 months now, Mr. Biden. What have you done to fix the baby food, the formula problem that your people caused by shutting down that big company up in Michigan that produced most of the baby formula? What's the plan? They told us, we got it done. We've got, it's not fixed. It hasn't been fixed. And they will not tell us what is the plan. Joe Biden is not a manager. He's not a good leader. He's a politician, pure. And I can tell you this, I don't think he's very good at doing that. I think the political process in the United States passed him by at least 10 or 15 years ago. And he's not bringing us any plans for anything. Basically what they do is if they got to have plans, they get up in the morning, they throw a big pile of mud against the wall and whatever stick, hey, that's the one we're going to go work with today. Let's figure out what we can turn this, turn this clump of mud What can we turn it into today to give us some street credibility with the American people? I know that's an exaggeration, but be honest with me. If it is an exaggeration, (laughs) it's not a big exaggeration at all because those are the kind of things we face every day and we have nothing, absolutely nothing that are planned to do it. Have you heard about What's going on in the Senate regarding legislation that passed in the House, by the way, to protect gay marriage, protect gay marriage. Let me tell you this. We have a lot of issues going on right now in the nation. And this woke mob that is doing their darndest to take over everything, when they look at the problems that we have where we told you, Food banks, big cities across the nation. The demand for basic food has doubled during this administration. 
What are they doing about that? What are they doing about the cost of gasoline? What are they doing? What are they doing about the cost of rent and real estate in their markets? What are they doing about that? They're doing very little about it. They're relying on others to do whatever is going to get done. They're certainly not stepping out there and leading the segment I just talked about. And the woke mob is concentrating today on protecting gay marriage. Come on now. This is not a conversation about should there be gay marriage, should there not. This is about putting it in the pecking order of important on the Joe Biden chalkboard. If he's got one, I'm sure he scribbled some funny cartoons on it. But I can tell you this, there's no real big planning going on in this White House. And so, hey, why not? Let's talk about codifying gay marriage. Let's make it a federal law that marrying gay is okay. Now more than ever, you need the truth. Real news. Real truth. TNN. The Truth News Network. In the steel industry, we dedicate our careers to supporting this country making products to build infrastructure and skylines, creating jobs, supporting families. And when domestic materials are used, the money stays in our communities. That's what really matters. These people, these places, that's worth supporting. Does it matter to you that all our chefs are well-trained? or that our kitchens are both SLSI and GMP certified, that we freshly bake goodies throughout the day. Well, it matters to us to know that your family will enjoy every bite. At Kiehl's, we're fresh because of what we do. But more than that, we're fresh because of you. This codification of gay marriage was passed in the House, sitting over at the Senate. Senate Republicans are keeping their distance from that House-passed bill to what they call protect same-sex marriage, even though polls show that a majority of Republicans support it, and the measure passed overwhelmingly in the House with 47 House Republican votes supporting it. So far, just three Senate Republicans say they're going to support it. And a fourth, Lisa Murkowski of Alaska, she says she supports marriage equality generally, but she needs to look at the legislation more closely. In other words, she came out of the House on the day they discussed it. When she licked her finger, stuck it up in the air, she didn't get an answer about whether she should support this bill or not. I've long made known in public my support for marriage equality, she said, explaining she hasn't had a chance to look at the bill. The three GOPers who say they will back it are the bill's sponsors, Susan Collins of Maine, Rob Portman of Ohio, and Tom Tillis of North Carolina, who told reporters he probably will vote for it. There's also a group of 8 to 10 Republicans 
who were potential yeses. So let me ask you this. Why the heck is this even being considered now? What in the world, in the importance of what we're looking at in our lives and what's on our plate right now, who gives a rip about making gay marriage legalized in the nation? It makes no sense. It doesn't. I don't know the ins and outs. I'm sure there are some benefits to go along with it. Anytime anything like this comes up, what do I tell you here all the time? Follow the money. There's got to be money in it. Follow the money and get your answer. No more time on that issue. Before we get away, yesterday in a hearing in the House about the Second Amendment, about gun control, I'm not talking about anything other than government, federal government gun control. And Jim Jordan, he got into it with the Penguin from New York, Jerry Nadler. Uh, thank you, Mr. Chairman. I think in your opening statement, you used the term, uh, used the phrase Republicans opposed it, I think, seven times, if I counted accurately. The reason we oppose it is because all those pieces of legislation were a direct violation of the Second Amendment. The right to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Plain and simple. It doesn't say the right to keep and bear muskets shall not be infringed. It doesn't say shall not be infringed unless Democrats say this weapon looks so scary we have to get rid of it. It doesn't say that at all. It says shall not be infringed. We said this in the last, the last markup on legislation where the Democrats were trying to infringe on Americans, law-abiding American Second Amendment liberties. We said the Democrats' beef is with the Second Amendment. If you want to change the Second you want to get rid of the Second Amendment, go try a constitutional amendment. See how far you get with that. But instead, no, you come with these pieces of legislation. If this legislation becomes law, millions, millions of firearms that Americans legally own today will be illegal. Under this bill, if you give one of those legally owned firearms to a family member or a friend or a neighbor, you could end up in federal prison for five years if you don't go through an FFL for a background check prior to letting your grandson use your firearm. Think about that. Millions of guns that fit the description of those outlined in this bill are in the homes of law-abiding Americans as we speak right now. This bill would send these law, lawful firearm owners to prison if they try to give a neighbor or sell them to a friend. Not only would this legislation strip Americans of their rights, but it would do nothing to make our community safer. We know that because Democrats tried it before. They tried it with the, quote, assault weapons ban in 1994. And guess what? That ban was found to be ineffective in reducing violent crime. A congressionally mandated study concluded that the banned guns were never used in more than a modest fraction of all gun uh, uh, violence, uh, gun murder, excuse me, before the 1994 ban, and that the law's 10-round limit on new magazines was not a factor in multiple victim or multiple wound crimes. The bill before us today repeats the same assault weapon ban and limits new magazines to 15 rounds. Democrats know this legislation will not reduce violent crime or reduce the likelihood of mass shootings, but they are obsessed with attacking law-abiding Americans' Second Amendment liberties. For over 30 years, the Democrats have been running a propaganda campaign to make people believe that, quote, assault weapons are a specific class of firearms that no one needs to own. In reality, assault weapons is a message-tested phrase made up by the political class to advance its anti-gun agenda. 1998, gun control advocates at the Violence Policy Center made up the term assault weapon to stoke fear and exploit public confusion about commonly owned rifles. These advocates stated that this confusion can only increase the chance of public support for restrictions on these weapons. They are not 
constitutionally going to be able to pass these gun laws because the right to own a gun cannot be infringed. That's the Second Amendment. And it doesn't say, as you heard Jordan say, it doesn't say anywhere in there any specific type of gun. It said guns. Oh, well. On our way out, I think this is a critical thing. I need to let you know there's a big thing that was announced this morning up in Washington, D.C. It'll probably change the world. President Biden tested positive for COVID-19. That's a wrap on the Thursday show. Don't forget, tomorrow, Richard Hirschman joins us in our first hour. Getting close to the weekend, folks. Looking ahead. I pray you have a good one. Let's go out the day something positive. Here's David Archuleta. Remember him? With the prayer. I pray you'll be our And watch us where we go And help us to be wise In times when we don't know Let this be our prayer When we lose our way to a place guide us with your grace to a place where we'll be safe I pray we'll find your life and hold it in our hearts Stars go out each night Eterna stella Nella mia preghiera Let this be a prayer Quanta fede c'è
us with your grace. Give us faith so we'll be saved. Jesus